Hello and welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Jeff Heisner with the Michigan District, and today we have a special conversation as we're joined by the Executive Director of the Loop Clinic, Penny Armbruster, and the President of the Michigan District, in David Meyer. Back in June, the Supreme Court ruled the Constitution did not confer the right to abortion and thus gave states the decision-making power. As you know, this has been a hot-button issue and at the center of contentious debate for months and years. President Meyer, let's begin with you. What was your reaction to the ruling? You know, Jeff, um, honestly, it was one of surprise. And uh, with along with that surprise, there was certainly understanding. I, I am grateful for the ruling. And this is not meant to, uh, to put down women or their rights in any regard. It's just a recognition that, you know, there is life within a womb, that that's a human being, and that they also have rights. And what can we do to speak for those that cannot speak for themselves? But in general, it was one of surprise. I know that it had been leaked. There was some expectation. Uh, there was, you know, inquiries. I still think the church was unprepared to help uh, its congregants understand what had taken place, what was taking place, and what is the best face for Christ that we could put forward into the community. I just think we were taken unawares. Penny, in your role at the Luke Clinic, I'm sure you have heard a lot about this topic. What is it that you heard? Well, I think I'm fortunate that I really have a foot in both camps. I am supported by many Lutheran churches where there was a sense of surprise, maybe uh, joy, uh, maybe even celebration for some people. But I'm also working uh, with a good number of my team that are motivated to come to the Luke Clinic to serve to make a difference, not necessarily because of a Christian faith. And they may be in their professional lives pro-choice. And I also listen to NPR, and I try to surround myself with a variety of uh, viewpoints that are not my own, and I hear a lot of fear. And um, fear, like you just referenced, that women's rights are being taken away and that we're really going back in time as far as safety and access to care for women. And I think I've learned to filter out some things, but some things are genuinely true. Like there are genuinely 12 states in the country today that have put limits on abortion that can even genuinely affect women, for example, who have pregnancies that might need a termination, for example, an ectopic pregnancy, which is the life of a mom, uh, is at stake. So there are, there are some things that need to be figured out. And Michigan is not a state that is friendly to the pregnancy care centers and to the pro-life arena. So in our state, it is a particularly serious issue. So I, I hear fear. And so when I hear fear in one ear, it makes me uncomfortable to hear cheering and rejoicing in the other. As a church body, we want to be very sensitive uh, in the way that we respond and, and have an understanding of what's being experienced on the other side of the aisle. That's the question now. How do we as churches and Christians not only support, but lead and help women facing those unplanned pregnancies? You know, Jeff, uh, as you look at the life of Christ, I think we're given many, many hints. Uh, Christ was often accused of being a friend of sinners. Uh, where did you find him? You found him with sinners. Uh, he was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. And that was because he associated with them. He knew them and they liked him. So when you, when you look at Luke 15, you see all these sinners that are gathering. Um, and he begins to tell them this parable because there's Pharisees there also. And they're saying, you know, what is, what is with the Jews? What is all these sinners gathering to you? 
And he tells them, it says a parable, that's really three, lost sheep, lost coin, and then the lost sons. But all of it demonstrates the seeking of a father for those that do not know him and how he wants to care. And what I believe the church needs to do now after this ruling has taken place, I just so appreciate it, Penny, the way you said I you know to have cheering in one ear and, and, and see fear or hear fear in another is just not a great place to be. Um, that's the, that is the reality that we face. Um, I am thankful that you no know, states are being asked to think this through. I, I am also very sensitive with my neighbors also uh, in Brighton. I'm very sensitive that there is a, uh, a fear that uh, women's rights have been removed that health concerns for them have been removed. No one cares that way. And that cannot be the church. We need to step up in this place and say, we do care. We, we want to walk with you. We want to be there when you, we pray, keep this pregnancy and maybe don't go to a different state where you could get an abortion. Uh, that's going to take some finances, but it's also going to mostly take the sacrifice of time, your time, personal time, care, and being the the loving arm of Christ to these individuals. Um, the church has got to step up to do that. And I think that we're more than capable, but I'm also thinking that we have let this for far too long not be discussed within the sanctuary. Why haven't we talked about this? Why aren't we talking about it now? Uh, why don't we talk about with our kids? Uh, I mean, as a youth pastor, now, we talked about pregnancies and abortions and what do you do if this does happen? And where's Christ at in all of this? And people are afraid that if you talk about this, that it's going to increase the likelihood of, of people, of girls getting pregnant. What about the guy, by the way? Can't happen without him. Let's be talking with them and their responsibility. But let's put this out there. No one wants sin to be comfortable, but this is real. And there are ways that we can talk about this openly that I do believe that can make a loving difference in the name of Christ. So, Penny, you talked about fear and what a powerful force it is in this decision-making process. And abortion may feel like the only way out for a lot of women. So how can we come alongside them when they face that decision and they face that fear? Well, I think the first thing is to acknowledge that their fears aren't unfounded. Um, it can mean the loss of a job. It can mean the inability to care for the family that you have. Uh, it can be, if you imagine in our own congregations, if the pastor's, wife, pastor's daughter was pregnant and unmarried, how would that go down? Do we have a supportive environment in our own congregations to unwed mothers who are pregnant? Um, it, it is brave to face those fears. It is brave to address them. And that's what I see in my clients is a lot of bravery to be willing to do what it takes to go through a pregnancy. The difference we make is that we say you're not alone. And I think that's where our churches have a beautiful opportunity to say, even to the pregnancy care center in their community, or maybe not in their community, an hour away maybe. You're an hour away, but how can we come alongside you? How can we support you? How can we maybe connect with and walk alongside and mentor women going through this process? What can we do? Being pro-life has been about saying you're pro-life, signing a petition, and maybe participating in a fundraising event for your local pregnancy care center. Or a march. And or, but that's the next step. Oh. Or 
standing outside a Planned Parenthood and praying or going on a march. But it, it's really been limited to those things. This is exactly what um, Pastor Maya just referred to. This is really giving of yourself and your time. And actually, I think that's what we're best at. That's where our strength lies. I don't think it's an uncomfortable step for us, but it is something that needs to be led, I believe, by the the pastor and the elders. They have to say, this is where we want to go. This is what we want to do. And and we're all, all out for this because this is going to be an avalanche of scared, women who feel like they've got nowhere to go. And if you look down in Detroit and in Flint where I work, that is not a population that can drive to another state. So down there, you're definitely going to see an increase in, you know, I can't remember what the expression was, but the illegal abortions that take place and things like that. Like we, we just need to be realistic and we need to lead with love and care, which is really, when I talk at churches, that is already so present. We're just harnessing it. So how do we lead with love and care? Do you have some specifics and some examples? Well, I think we've got to be willing to talk about it. We've got to be willing to share stories of bravery and hope, whether that would be videos or sharing blogs and resources, inviting your pregnancy care center in. Um, the Luke Clinic loves to travel around the state and talk at churches and talk about what we're doing. I find no matter where we go, the reception is amazing. Um, there are so many things you can do. Uh, Prayer is so, 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 so powerful. Um, go and offer to be a prayer partner at your local pregnancy care center. Um, sign up on my newsletter and, and see what we do and support us with prayer. Money, we do need money. All of us need money. Pregnancy care centers need money. Um, the Pregnancy Care Center Network has, has calculated that it's about $1,200 to help a woman make a decision to choose life. At the Luke Clinic, we've calculated it's about $3,000 to take somebody through prenatal care and then provide 12 months of infant care. How many women can we as a congregation support in those arenas? So sometimes it's money, sometimes it's time, sometimes it's talent. Um, pregnancy care centers are very set up to utilize volunteers. They know what they need. They have a variety of options. It's just a question of connecting, meeting with the executive director, inviting them to come in, and seeing where there's a fit for your congregation. President Meyer, this one might be best for you, although Penny, I'd love to hear your advice on this too. So when the pro-life abortion topic came up in church, and, and this was not long ago, I've seen a family in the front row just get up and walk right out. Um, maybe... 20, 30 seconds later, another family gets up, walks right out. It's not an easy topic for pastors to talk about. It's not a, a comfortable topic for pastors to talk about. So how do we speak from the pulpit on this issue? You know, I think Paul lays it out very plainly, and it's easy to say, uh, but then it's a little harder to, uh, to, to carry out, to speak the truth in love and agape. So we have to understand that as we speak truth, um, we are to do that in the same love with which God has addressed us uh, and to do that with others. And that this truth itself is love, um, meaning that this is what's best, um, that it's not something that we want to do to hurt people. This is actually something that we're doing to help people, not just the unborn baby, but even the mother. 
Now, obviously, when there are uh, unmarried mothers, there is a, there's a stigma that may go with that. You know, we, that's one of the things that we have to learn to address. Uh, it is here. I don't ever want to condone it. I'm not going to okay it, but it's here. So how can we deal with that? Uh, there are parents that talk to me and say, well, if you, you, the way you've addressed that, Pastor Meyer, it seems like uh, that would allow others here to not think that much of it if they went and got pregnant. So I don't, I don't believe that. And nonetheless, what have I said that was wrong? If a person sins, you want to call them back. Uh, if a person makes a mistake, you want to acknowledge that, and you don't want to increase the shame. You want to have them come to the healer. You want to have them come to the forgiver, and that you can make that difference in their life. I can think of congregations that have been incredibly loving towards what many would consider a societal, cultural, horrible sins of this day and age. And because they have been known to be so kind and loving, they have attracted those same people, let's say unwed mothers, and they find that they can honestly be cared for, that they can have their lives changed because we're talking, as Penny said, about prayer, the power of prayer, Hugh answers prayer, God himself, and what the love of God can do and the gospel itself for lives. And I think, wow, why don't we trust God and just let him work? Well, I think the the words pro-life are um, very divisive. As soon as you mention the word pro-life, your congregation is going to split into those who are pro-choice and those who are pro-life. And we just live at a time where when we hear these triggering statements, we stop listening. And what I try to do is reframe it. I don't think we're at a point anymore where being pro-life is the debate. The question is, are we pro-birth? Are we pro the baby who had no choice in this matter? Are we pro helping women uh, make the decision, support them through the decision, help them find prenatal care, stay with them as they walk through that journey? That's a unifying message. Nobody's against that. That's why the Luke Clinic works the way it does, because we bring together people from both sides of the debate, and we say we put our differences on one side because we're pro-women, pro-birth, pro-child. That's a unifier. So the church is supposed to be maybe the most safe and most welcoming place. But what happens when this becomes real in our own congregations? You know, Jeff, I'm thinking, uh, Penny, of when you and I were talking and that you had shared the experience of someone that you had come to know very closely and uh, uh, became pregnant and made the decision that the church was really the last place she was going to go to. Could you explain a little bit more about that? Yes, I think um, in our youth groups, in our congregations, if a young lady shows up pregnant, uh, there's a lot of conversation that takes place from the families, from the other kids in youth group, um, and it's not grace-based. It's not grace-based. In fact, I think the assumption is normally that that person must have been doing something wrong or uh, you know, there's there's usually a lot of judgment when really she's in a very vulnerable position. And in the midst of that vulnerable position, the conversation to have is uh, a, one of love and safety and encouragement because we don't want her to feel like I have to have an abortion because no one's going to support me keeping this baby in my own church. Like we, we have to make it a safe space to be able to welcome people in and have these conversations and be ready to deal with this. You know, Penny, I'm also aware of cer certain situations where 
um, girls have become pregnant and you know the judgment that you talk about is is there and and parents are likely to help fuel that and there was not the realization that the girl did not want this pregnancy meaning that it's not like they were fooling around and using protection she was actually raped did not want a pregnancy and yet that's the situation she finds herself in i think what we're saying jeff is shouldn't the church not just be a safe place where they can go but as i think you prefaced your question the safest place where they could go and that this could be discussed this young woman could be supported and that we genuinely share the love of jesus christ you know jeff i'm, I'm concerned because we always point at the girl well we kind of knew this was going to happen look how she dresses what does that mean you know i i get it you know, sometimes it's revealing and you, in, as a youth pastor, you know, I talk to parents and maybe they could just be a little bit more, you know, uh, I don't want to say, well, it's conservative the word I would use. Modest. Modest. Thank you. That is the word. Thank you. But then you come to realize, and there are, there are a number of studies out there, and, and Lifeway has certainly done one of them, where you come to understand that men are a part of this, obviously. They couldn't get pregnant without men. And half of men whose partners received an abortion were attending a Christian church at the time. And another study finds that four in 10 women were attending church at the time of their abortions. So what am I saying here? I'm saying that the people in our pews that, let's give them some credit, that are trying to live for Christ or are wrestling with this thing called Christianity, they're in our church. We have got to talk about this. We've got to approach it in a caring, loving way We've got to bring people along. We've got to listen to them as to how this happened and where they got to this point. And what can we do now? Because it's here. It's here. How do we live? How do we live now as if Christ, we were Christ to these people? I think another statistic that always strikes me is that um, one in three women on a college campus will be sexually assaulted. So we're always making this assumption that maybe she did something. Maybe she didn't. Maybe she didn't do anything. 60% of the patients at the Luke Clinic are sexually coerced. They're not pregnant because they chose to be. And that's something we're really not comfortable speaking about in our society, but it is a reality. So there's a high probability that a young lady isn't pregnant because she was in a relationship and didn't use contraception or was making poor choices. Maybe she didn't make any choice at all because choice doesn't come into rape. Uh, you know, it's something we have to just at least consider and be open to. If if this congregation had known that this young lady had been raped, they would have fallen over themselves to help her. But they didn't know that. What they would have known is here's a young single woman who's come into the church pregnant without being married, and judgments would have flown around that. Again, I say... We are Lutherans. We have the doctrine of grace. We need to extend it. Live it. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, this is a great opportunity for us to, to really shine. We, we say we love our doctrine. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to live it and uh, to demonstrate it to others and to see how Jesus is going to come alongside these people and pray that it's through us. Well, thank you both for joining us. Great insight and, and definitely much needed insight on this topic for sure. We want to thank you, President Meyer, Penny as well. Uh, we also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in and checking out our Thought Leader podcast.
God bless.